Hungry Daddy? No, I'm actually very good. Are you sure? Yeah, why? Because I've got some some juicy, uh, hot, heavy, steamy catfish for you. Catfish? What's your safe word? Mm, uh, mm, uh, mm, uh. Welcome back to What's Your Safe Pod. I'm Amp. I'm Mr. Christopher. And today... Uh, we are getting the money shot all over that catfish. But daddy, first, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I had a really wonderful weekend. I'm oh, really? very happy and satisfied. Oh. Yeah. You will never be sad. Sorry, I was listening to Hamilton earlier. The, the Satisfied song. Do you remember when we went and saw that? Uh-huh. I do, twice. Oh. Um, but no, yeah, we, you and I both had some, some uh, lovely guests in for the weekend. We had some hinky pinky guests. Panky and Panky were in yeah, town? Yeah, we had both of them. Wait, which one was Hanky and which one was Panky? Because you and yours I both was had Panky. a guess. Oh, no, I guess mine was Panky. You were Hanky. Okay, why, why was yours Panky? Because <laughs> mine liked to spank. <laughs> oh, it was Spanky. Spanky. Oh, you, Spanky was here too. Oh, uh, what happened this weekend, though? No, so uh, the Leo Rush, which is a porn star out of England. Oh, Leo Rush. Uh, he came to visit for the weekend, and he had never been to America. So I said, well, when you get to San Francisco, if you want to stay with me, you're more than welcome. Not knowing how that would go, that could have gone one of two ways. <laughs> Thankfully, it went the really good way. <laughs> that's That's good, because you never know when a guest is... Uh, a little more difficult, especially or, or, when you haven't met them before, right? Because right. you said he was from where? He's from uh, he's from Brighton, but uh, he's from the UK. Yeah, overseas. He had a sexy British accent, too, that just turned me on. So he's a very young dom that kind of got started like two or three years ago in the porn world. I've seen him on Twitter all over. He's hot as fuck. Um, and it looks like he's really... A natural dom, good at it. It's not like one of those actors, you know, they hire and like, okay, beat him. And they, they like, eh, 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 and don't know how to throw a whip. You know what I'm talking about? I, I, well, I mean, I do, but like when you play, you make that sound all the time. I don't, I don't. Yeah, you're funny. <laughs> so anyway, so I was like, okay, I want to play with this hot guy. Uh, so I, I, I led him and, and we collab. We do, he has an OnlyFans and I have an OnlyFans. Actually, I think he's more just for fans because of the raunchy stuff he does. Um, and so he's like, okay, stay with me. We'll do some collab work. And I subbed for him the entire weekend. And he was just a natural dom at 29. It was like some of these things. I, I even asked him halfway through. I'm like, where did you learn this? Because when he flogged me, he went heavy, but he made sure I was breathing right in and out, oh. in and out. And he didn't do it in like a mechanical way. He'd made it part of the scene and it would, it really helped. And I was like, wow, that is stuff that I teach. Who taught you that? And he's like, no one. I just. Have you ever taught an impact play class? I don't think that you. We've have. talked about it. Um, uh, we, we, oh, that's yeah. fair. We've 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 done an episode. We did a whole episode ago. about impact play. Yeah. A lot. That was that was like almost seven and years I ago. Keep I keep telling you, we got to redo these episodes. No, but I was just saying you should do a class, like an in-person class thing, because right, episodes are it. fun. But people love a good class. Do I get to beat everyone in the audience if we do that? Well, yeah, because we can't do that on YouTube. We can't do oh, we we can't right. do impact play. I should do live instructional videos. You should. Oh, okay. It, or would you guys want to see that? Even I don't know. even like an OnlyFans instructional video 
We could yeah. do it for our patrons, yeah. patrons who are currently watching our vids. And okay, get another well, I will things, talk to Leo but... Rush and see if he wants to do that okay. next yeah. time. We'll, Leo, we'll... could you just come back from the just just come on back real quick. You know, it's, it's only well, eleven it hours. It's funny because he doesn't know how to tie rope. So he's like, will you teach me? So I taught him the single column and the double column and a couple sexy chest harnesses. Mm -hmm. And we did record that, that we'll put up as instructional videos on our fan sites. Um, it wasn't sex. It was just teaching you how to do the knots. Sure. Um, That's still helpful. And he, he picked up on it right away. So yeah. He's a naughty, he's, naughty And boy. he was just a super sweet guy, even off camera. Um, and so had a great time and we hung out with you and uh, well, no, 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 you no, no, don't, don't, no, 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 don't, you don't get to move on that quickly Why? because you were telling me all these nice, lovely things Leo had said about me. Oh, I would well, love to hear more about that. You. Yes. Really? Cause I feel like I terrorized him a bit. It, well, that's it. That's the vibe you give off. To no, most people. That is, that is, people <laughs> most, are intimidated no, by me. Most I'm nice. People say I'm nice. When they meet you, they're like, "Does he like me? Did he like? I me? like everybody. Did he, he didn't. He people take my my uh, my very much like aloofness. steady. It's not aloof because I'm always paying attention. Yeah, I no, I know, but you you're acting like you're not. No, but no, because I don't want to put people off. No, I'm <laughs> well, very I'm very middle of the road kind of. You know, I'm not over excited about things i'm not underexcited. i'm very i'm just excited you you're know just, you're just and that's why no one can tell they cannot judge if you like something or not because you don't emote happiness <laughs> i emote happiness all the time do you, you do not watch any of my streams i emote happiness no i know you do on stream i'm talking and in then, person when you first meeting someone you are stoic you were just anyway he did not think that about you. He thought you were uh, wonderful. He was insecurity is not something he has. So he, 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 but he was watching our dynamic and how much you took care of me. Um, and he, he thought you were very special and that, um, we had yeah, a really some, great dynamic uh, and especially because you had a play partner for the weekend as well. I did. And we combined our play partners at dinners and social events like the bar and stuff. And we didn't, I mean, I think a lot of people think that when they go into a poly relationship or they're going to play with someone that their partner is going to get jealous. Mm. Um, and so they're on their best behavior and on their toes. I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not. Nah, but, I'm too uh, aloof, apparently. <laughs> but he, uh, he, he loved you. He thought you were great. Well, my house guest, uh, my house guest, not as open about their life and sexuality stuff online. Obviously, not everyone is, no. um, but was was traveling. Someone that I I had uh, traveled to meet uh, post COVID. They 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 live overseas as well, so it was nice to see them. Uh, hypnotist friend, and it was nice to see them in person because it's literally been years. COVID made travel just difficult for a lot of people, obviously, mm -hmm. um, and that was really nice. And I think they had a bit of uh, timidness around you too, because yeah, you are. That was weird. Well, you're very aloof. What? You know? <laughs> I am not. I'm anything but aloof. You know what my mood is the second exactly. you look at me. Well, that's also a, a wonderful character trait that you have. Yeah, not I a agree. flaw. I agree. But a trait where you where see where I'm very reserved with my feelings because I don't want to put anyone off by being hangry or upset about something. You're the opposite side of that coin. And maybe that's why we balance each other out so well. No. Um, I, my guest was really lovely, too, though. We had a great time. I've never had so much physical activity. Oh, story time. Okay. So we, even when we have friends in town, mm -hmm. we are shooting stuff, whether it's YouTube, what's a safe word, porn, OnlyFans stuff. Podcasts. Which, big old spoiler alert, today's podcast is all about the new movie Money Shot, for the most part, minus yeah. our Do you know why they call things. it a Money Shot? 
We'll get into that. Oh, okay. We'll get it. This okay. is this is called edging. This is foreshadowing. Oh, okay. This is You're plugging. Them. I see. Um, and we shot a video this last week, which won't be out for a week or two probably. But I get to your house, and you didn't have an audio cord, and so oh, no, 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 it's fine because I, I I I ran home real quick, took a little jog, and I was like, oh, what a great workout. I come and then I jog back to your place with a cord. <laughs> That's not the right plug. Yeah. And I say what? <laughs> Oh my god! And actually, I was very level-headed. I don't. I think we handled that pretty well. We did, yes. We being me. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so the real drama comes from. Okay, I could run back home, which I'm already exhausted, so probably a bad idea. Or I'll just take the the transit system real quick. Pull up my phone. Oh, one leaves in four minutes. You live near a station, so it was easy to get there in time. Right. Scan my card get off at my station at home and i see the opposite direction back to your place leaves in seven minutes Ooh, that's more than enough time i don't live right next to the station i'm like a two blocks yeah. two and a half so i am full-on sonic mode like gotta go fast sprinting get home we have far too many fucking cords <laughs> i had to dig through all three of the on guard things to do find you, that cord do you hear how well he's handling this i'm now? aloof as fuck <laughs> anyway I find it and I look at my watch. I've set a timer for myself of uh, six minutes, uh, knowing that I've got one extra minute when that timer goes off mm -hmm. and I'm booking it back. I've got multiple cords in my hand because I don't know which cord I need technically you, at that you came point. came back with 20 cords. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of cords when you have to do production. And then, then I get to the station. And I'm like, yeah, I see two minutes. I'm trying to scan my card. It doesn't scan. Beep. I try to scan my card again. Beep. And then I look over to the lady as it goes one minute left and I'm like, I need to go through the thing. There's a there's an attendant sometimes. Thankfully, she was there. And I was like, it says I'm scanning it too quickly. I had gone off and on the train so quickly, they thought it was fraud. Because, <laughs> because most people don't get off and on a train in like five minutes. Thankfully, she understood what I was saying. She pushes me through. 30 seconds until the train's going. It's there. The doors are open. I run in and barely make it. Wow. It gets better or oh, weirder. Yeah. Okay. As soon as I get in there, I'm sweaty as, as all heck. Yeah, I've I run. smelled you when you got back. Rude. First of all. <laughs> Second of all, this guy sees me get in and probably saw me like rush and is like changing different parts of the train. So he stands up and moves. My hands are holding onto the handrail above me because it trains, you know. Mm -hmm. And without really missing a beat as the doors close and the train starts moving, this guy like gets kind of close to me. And leans in and just starts sniffing my armpit. <laughs> Hot. <laughs> now, this 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 guy was not like, to the outward appearance, didn't look creepy. Did you know him? No. Didn't look off in any way, but then just leaned in and started sniffing, made eye contact with me that was kind of like, uh -huh. Like, that's what sound <laughs> the, the eye contact made. That's not creepy at all. And I'm just like, I didn't say anything, but I kind of like gave him like a, uh, and he kept walking. Just. <laughs> the best part you had my, a drive-by sniff yeah i don't know what it was about but the best part was i i i look over and this little old lady is sitting in her chair her and i make eye contact and we both just go what the fuck was that <laughs> and we kind of giggle for a second like it was a drive-by sniffing that i didn't consent to but it was just like what is this day <laughs> and then we did the shoot. And then we did the shoot. And then and we Leo got and my guests got there, and it all worked yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but that was my week. Wow. In, in a nutshell, it was, was that your nice. catfish? No. Oh, is maybe I'll save the catfish story? story for next time. Oh wow. Way I'll save the way to edge the Sorry, I'll save the cat because it's a long story. Okay. It, okay. And I want to talk about catfish in general. So that'll be next time. Next week. That'll be next week's episode. How about? Well, that sounds good. Way to shave off that. Daddy, daddy. How's the bar, yeah?
Ready. That was a really good segue right as I pushed the button, too. I know. That was a really good segue. Like, <laughs> because today's Dad Tea episode is sponsored by Manscaped. <laughs> if you need a deal, well, we've got one that you can't pass over this Easter season. Yes. Passover. Passover. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. <laughs> because Manscaped has the tools to give you the beautifully decorated eggs of your dreams. Ooh, can you shave your eggs? Well, the eggs are your balls. No, I got that part you, too. You could use the, the Manscaped razor on a hairy egg if you had a hairy egg because it won't crack them. Dense as you think. Yes. Well, sometimes. <laughs> you did eat eggs that were rotten for a few weeks. All right. Time. All right. All right. <laughs> and they were very dense. But um, <laughs> Anyway, it's Easter, so that doesn't mean that you need your grass getting that tall. And you might want to make your downstairs hairs, hair, 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 <laughs> hair, and get 20% off with what code, Daddy? Watts 20. <laughs> I was in Manscaped 20. Watts 20. <laughs> By going to manscaped.com, you get 20% off. And again, what code? Watts 20. If you would like to try the new <laughs> lawnmower 4.0, maybe the beard hedger, or even the weird whack. Weird whacker. Weed oh. whacker. Okay, so you know what? That beard hedger yeah. I have been using. Yeah. And it's amazing. I haven't had to go have my beard trimmed. So usually I I pay twenty dollars to get my beard trimmed yeah. twice a month. Yep. So it keeps the shape. Well, I discovered with the beard hedger because it has that uh, 20 different blades or yeah. 20 different adjustable lengths on the one blade. So I know if I do a seven on the side and a 14 in the front. I get the perfect thing that I used to pay 20 bucks for. So now you're saving well, 40 bucks a month. Yeah. yeah. And you could just with one manscaped price of, of one beard hedger, you could save yourself $40 a month or more. Maybe if you, I, I love that. Have a very no, it's my new favorite. I love oh. it. And if you're looking for other crop mop revivers and toners, they have the crop preserver, the ball deodorant, crop reviver, ball toner. And of course the weed whacker 2.0 now my, that does the nose favorite. and the ears. Yeah. So if you'd like to get 20% off and free shipping during April or even May, you can join us in the Testicular Cancer Awareness Month that Manscaped is partnering with us to do as we save balls and use offer code WATS20 at manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped. Thank you. And thank you for sponsoring my dad tea. So you know the the so you know how much I love bondage, right? And being tied down. What? Stuff. Yeah. What's that? So but you know what what annoys the fuck out of me is when I'm in bondage and someone messes up my hair <laughs> oh, <laughs> because I cannot no. touch it to fix it. Oh, and no. because I'm such an old man that every hair is put in its perfect place before I play. So that happened twice to me this weekend. And I was like, oh, I can't be mad. I can't be mad. I can't be mad. Uh, so the first night Leo Rush was here, the, the first thing he did was he just grabbed me by my forehead and like made me suck <sighs> his dick. And I'm like, oh, my, the only, I'm, I'm like, it's a great dick, but let go of my hair. <laughs> I'm, I'll, that just came out with. <laughs> and then yesterday, but you know, at, when we were done with the scene, I was like, hey, you know what? Uh, you don't really like my hair touched. Is that okay? And he's like, oh, yeah, cool. So that didn't happen again. So that's fine. Then yesterday, I did a. Uh, a uh, edging scene with edgy one on Twitter and uh, they put me Do in people just pay you to, to give everyone a shout out during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they should. Uh, then they put me in the sling in a straight jacket just to edge me for an hour. And 
as they were setting up, they put a gag in my mouth. As they were setting up, they uh, put the cameras on and he was adjusting lights. And as he like walked around the sling to adjust the light, he just like tussled my head. <laughs> like this. And I'm like, oh, oh. Like, I'm like, That's the best. I am an old man. I do not have 20 year old hair that just flops back naturally into place. Mm. Don't fuck with my hair. So that is my dad T. Don't fuck with my hair. Don't fuck with my follicles, fellas. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sorry. But also, no, that's a fine. great dad tea for a manscaping if I've I ever know, heard one. right? Yeah. Um, which, <laughs> I'm sorry, daddy, but also your stories when you're making stuff is funny. You, need, you just need to have a do not touch sign or something on top of your head. No, I want them to touch me. I mean, like from head. the eyebrows down. And, do and not, just your hair, or, uh, Eyebrows up. Don't touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well... It sounds like you had a very fulfilling weekend. It was life. amazing. I had so much fun. Same. I really, I really, really had. You know when you vibe with someone and it just all goes naturally well? I've never heard you use that term properly, so no. <laughs> vibe? What does vibe mean to you? And like you have a good vibe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That that so, that counts. Yeah. I do though. I, and, I had an equally and, equally nice weekend. And you did too. So I did. and you plenty your, of hypno. your house guest was lovely, gave me some amazing a box of caramels. That is true. amazing. True. And I had many a money shot too. <laughs> many money shots. Oh <laughs> my god. Many shots on the carpet. There's some over there on the floor. So that is an interesting it's kind of a documentary format, right? It's so, a documentary? Yes. On Netflix, it was something that everybody has asked us to watch because they want our opinion on the porn side of it. Money shot is essentially I mean, in porn, what is a money shot? It is the uh, when you come. So, and if you don't come, sometimes porn producers didn't pay you. It's still, so I had a shoot once that like, was set up for the money with shot. a licensed model for undisclosed company that I don't think makes content anymore, so it doesn't matter. None of them do. But so. <laughs> it was a scene that never saw the light of day. Yeah. I came because I'm a good bottom that ended up having the top. This gigantic muscle man of a man, like it was the weirdest scene because he couldn't get hard. He didn't shoot. He didn't get paid hmm. so but that's like that's what it was kind of about like old studio porn dying out and how porn has evolved in the last during COVID, really L only the last couple literally of years. this is covering only like the last four years and it, which is amazing to me because i have been in the porn industry for 30 years mm -hmm. a lot of what they were talking about i lived through and know a lot of the people in it as a matter of fact one of them uh on the show we know and we put a call out to to be on this show and we're going to be talking to them in just a second. But before that, because our friend Mike, who's going to come on the show, is he's not only in the documentary, but he's definitely on one of the sides of the two camps that they kind of interview. So the, the, the general basis is, would, uh, before we get into it, would you recommend someone watch it without giving away too much? Absolutely. Because because every, the number one question we always have is, what is the porn industry like, right? They always want to know tidbits about yeah. it and the behind the scenes. Well, the way porn has been sold over time has changed. I've been there through every iteration. It used to be it used to be shown in movie theaters as films, and guys would go jack off in the seats. Not films. Um, and then VHS came along, and they put on VHS, and then you could buy it at home. Uh, then that switched to DVDs, um, and for a hot second, Blu-ray, uh, Blu-ray. Blu <laughs> Not, and then hot enough and then the internet came along and the internet changed a lot of how we consume porn and those studio producers that were making a fortune off of vhs and dvd uh didn't they did not change with the times fast enough because they did not know the internet and they died out 
And, and I was part of that system. They re- but they were part of the reason that it died because they were so stringent on what models could do, how could right. we could socialize. But even the first 10 minutes was you talking about how you were staying home, having scenes, having fun. Theoretically, and I'm not going to throw out money right now, but we'll maybe talk about it later with Mike. Um, you you make enough that that fully like just makes the weekend of having a guest and shooting content profitable, right? Right. Like so, that and, is profitable and, and fun. For I you. make. Well, I shouldn't talk about what I make. You don't but have to tell us. All I, I, I I do better than when I worked at a studio on a salary. So yeah. comparatively, um, it's, it's and I have more control over what I put out there of myself. When you shoot for a studio, you're at their mercy of which angles yeah. they're putting out there. Uh, when I shoot now, that it's fan created content is the norm now. And that's only been five years, guys. Yeah. <laughs> that, that just started five years ago. And so the, the documentary itself, it's an hour and a half. It's it's well produced. It does feel a little scare tactic-y at times. Every, oh my God. The one complaint that I had was every five seconds, they were interviewing someone else, you know, as documentaries do. And during the documentary, like, you know how we cut in in videos to, mm-hmm. to hide cuts? Mm-hmm. Well, they did that too. But every time they cut in on someone, they like angled the camera just a little bit to make it look like a horror shot. Yeah, you weren't, you weren't it liking was so annoying. the, 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 the cinematography part. and the editing. And, and well they shot. did, they had creepy music once in a while. Yeah, like, and it duh, felt, duh, I never duh, liked duh, scare duh. tactics like yeah. that. But the documentary covers pretty much two sides of the porn line. And the porn is this double-edged sword, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you, damned if you do damned if you don't sort of situation for the porn stars the companies even the legal people that are trying to stop porn altogether but one side is the actors and the free speech people Mm -hmm. the pornographers and sex positive people Mm -hmm. and the other side were the uh the anti-porn trafficking tube uh encosi and exodus cries which which are these religious I, I've but heard they, all did, they didn't. They beforehand. didn't point that out at the beginning. Until they the end. waited till yeah. the end to point out who was backing all these people. So again, this is not really a spoiler because I think you should still watch it. Coming it from yeah. the people themselves and watching how emotional some people get is really eye opening. Right. But they do a good job of interviewing a very diverse cast. You yeah, have very... body positive people. You mm-hmm. have people of color. You have straight, bi, gay women like they do a good job of that yeah yeah oh and shout out to gwen adora because she was the the plus size model Mm -hmm. that was interviewed for this clearly knew how to work the camera too because she was in it a good chunk of the documentary (laughs) and i just really like i I follow her already like she's a a very nice representation for the community that was used and weaponized against pornhub right so it deals with the porn hub the quote-unquote trafficking hub uh, controversy that happened kind of during and post COVID. Yeah, just two years ago. And how Pornhub not only helped to destroy studio porn, mm-hmm. but then brought on porn stars to to come into the studio for Pornhub to do stuff. But then threw porn stars to the curb the second that bad stuff happened. Mm-hmm. And big takeaways from this is throughout this entire documentary, it's made very clear that nobody cares about the porn stars kind of like what only fans did exactly year, right and then it talks about this whole like dive like the overall timeline is like studio studios didn't want porn stars to have a personality be interesting so then they made their own stuff and then Pornhub kind of killed the studios and personal like site work that you sold from your own site because they allowed re-uploads they allowed people to pirate your shit and when porn stars eventually were like um stop it 
Then Pornhub was like, oh, well, we have this SEO that's perfectly optimized. Come work with us. And then Trafficking Hub became a thing, which was essentially calling out Pornhub for letting people post whatever they want because you could post whatever you want so here, on Pornhub. Here's the, here's the problem. When you have user uploaded content, yeah. it's impossible to monitor all that. So there were... Uh, problematic videos being put up on mm -hmm. Pornhub and they weren't taking them down um, even when victims were asking to be taken down uh, they were not monitoring it because they were making money off of it that is mm -hmm. a problem and something they shouldn't do um, so you kind of see the other side's point absolutely uh, of this but then you start looking at the motives and how much they wanted Instead of just taking care of that issue, they wanted to shut the whole thing down. Well, you have to understand that MindGeek was and is this huge SEO search engine optimization website. So their their priority is making money off of that. But it's also they they specialized in making search engine optimization work. And then when they started doing the porn stuff, they had every single page. If you would Google any pornographic term, Pornhub was always this this first this first site that would mm -hmm. pop up. So they had that under the under the under wraps. But the real problem, and of course, trafficking is bad. Human trafficking is bad. Sexual exploitation we do not is bad. That, nor we are, are we not supporting it in any Pornhub's, way, shape, or form. Yeah, because it looks bad. This entire yeah. documentary looks bad on Pornhub. But that's not what porn is. Correct. Because porn stars, pornographers, people that are making this stuff don't want it either. No. From the get-go, as you learn, the porn stars wanted uh only verified accounts posting stuff, yep. which is now what Pornhub is because of the many, many lawsuits. They wanted to make sure that it was, you know, that we were posting, that people were legally doing it, that people were making money. And but, if something, someone did it wrong or did something illegal, you would know who it was. Because they needed proper moderation. And which, they wanted more moderation. Yeah. So, I mean, Pornhub, MindGeek was essentially started, Pornhub was started by three college students that started as a LARP, and then they sold it to the SEO genius that was MindGeek. Um, and by 2011, companies were seeing it beneficial to work with Pornhub, not against it. And well, so that's it's, where just, you saw the, it's the same reason on. why I work with OnlyFans, is mm -hmm. they have an algorithm that has high volume traffic. So I get customers that have never seen me on Twitter or Instagram that come in and subscribe to my channel. Even though I out now on my OnlyFans once a month say, hey guys, they take down my videos all the time. Yeah. Go to Just For Fans <laughs> where they don't take down my videos and you get more content. But still, people pay for OnlyFans. I mean, Pornhub brought in $460 million one year during covid yeah. and it actually brings in more monthly views than even netflix which is funny because the, the documentary was on netflix <laughs> I don't yeah know. that was interesting <laughs> I, I was wondering how that got greenlit but yeah um but and again we're gonna have mike on in in it, a few seconds but it, it deals with the stigma that is censorship as well as anti-porn religious zealots but it does it in a fair way that's like of course victims should be protected and moderation should be key but the main problem here was the moderation mm -hmm. because the second that a victim brought it up, as you'll learn in the documentary, Pornhub would take the, the takedowns seriously when they got to it, but then they would leave the page up with all the metadata, all the recommendations, the metadata, all and the names and related. Else. They were still making money yeah. 
in their advertising and banners, as well as in the verified users that then they would recommend. So the verified porn users who are following the rules then are this, the, the people that they use as the scapegoat as the target. Like, for instance, um, the, the, the porn stars that we liked and the people we knew in it, like Gwen, were used in the lawsuits saying that they were supporting and, and used as like this corporate shill for Pornhub when that was not the case. Right. It's just, it, it, and that's what really was a takeaway for me was like the attack on the porn company always ends with the marginalized communities that do the sex work being the real victims here. Sesta-Fasta, yeah, we saw the it all the sex time. workers themselves were not doing this. Yeah. They were responsible for their own bodies um, and the content that they put up. It was the traffickers putting stuff up that needed to be kicked off the site and not, and dealt with. And you could have done that. They chose not to. Correct. Yeah. So we're actually going to get Mike on here in just a sec. And we're going to talk about not only the legal side of it, we're going to talk about his involvement in the, the actual documentary, as well as the double-edged sword of porn, um, how money works into everything, and maybe just a bit of free speech in the process. <laughs> and Michael Stabile is a good friend of mine I have known for almost 20 years now and has worked in the industry and is an amazing writer. Um, so he's very knowledgeable on this topic and I trust him completely. So let's give Michael, is it Mike or Michael? It's Mike. Mr. Mr. Stabile, if he's feeling nasty. If he's nasty. <laughs> oh my God! Welcome, Mike, to the show. <laughs> how do you How do you prefer to be called? <laughs> I think Mike is fine. <laughs> nice to see you, and and not the first time we've seen you either. Um, considering we've kind of worked with you in a number of capacities in the past, especially through the Free Speech yeah. Coalition. Yeah, um, but we've done a bit of a primer for the audience on kind of what we're talking about today, but not so much about how you work into it. Do you mind giving like a little elevator speech of like how you've been in the sex work realm, like your your part in not just the documentary, but yeah. what you do on a daily basis? So I, you know, I am the director of public affairs at the Free Speech Coalition, which is sort of a generic term for all sorts of things. You know, I, I work on doing lobbying efforts. I talk with legislators. I work with sex worker orgs and I function um, as a sort of spokesperson for the industry. So when, you know, the news media comes calling, I'm the one that that often picks up that call and tries to explain sort of what's going on. I think that that, as you both know, when you're dealing with sexually marginalized cultures, people who stumble into the realm treat you like you have come from Mars. And so what I try to do is, is be a translator in that way and try to, to sort of help them in and, and, and say, this is what's going on. And it's not all that different than what's going on in your world. Um, and, and maybe demystify some of the things that we do. And, and would you say uh, kind of like push them past the stigma that they usually have towards? Porn? Oh, yes. I mean, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> and hopefully it is, you know, it, it's a gradual process. And it, it it's obviously much different if you are dealing with, you know, Vice Magazine versus Breitbart versus the Wall Street Journal, right? People are going to come to it with their own, you know, or, or the, the, the Netflix documentary, right? People are coming to it with some knowledge or no knowledge or lots of stigma or, you know, you know, very little stigma at all. And I think that, um, you know, I try to to meet people where they are and, and to have those conversations because it is confusing. We have a lot of lingo and history and 
um, you know, stigma activities that, that people don't yeah. understand. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. they don't just treat you like you're from Mars either. They treat you like you're from Mars and that you also came back with a Martian STI of some kind, you know, yeah. <laughs> because it's so unheard of that someone would want to like own their own life and not work nine to five, but just work, yeah. you know, a few hours, but then make the content, produce the things and then have to yeah. market and all that. We didn't even talk about like the amount of work it takes to produce, like produce mm -hmm. and create porn. Sex nowadays. work is work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and And advocating for it. Even more work sometimes, as I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure you could agree. So yeah, I mean, yeah. no, I, please continue. I was just going to no, ask. Was him, gonna what say, was I, your? I mean, obviously, I've known you know Christopher for a long time. We've we've been in this industry. We you know, and we we all come from, from sort of like an LGBTQ plus background, right? And so we already understand. I think that we come to this with a certain demystification already, right? We understand that like there is a, there are cultural forces that want to tell you that what you're doing is wrong, whether that's being, you know, queer, trans, sex worker, um, you know, it, it, there's a, there's a dominant force that wants you to, to feel bad about that and wants to repress it. And I think that um, sometimes coming in as a, a queer person, you have a little bit more, um, you know, it fits into a, you know, you're sort of already demystified, right? You're like, yeah, I know that these people are lying. And we just commented about that too, that one of the things we did like about the money shot was the people that they chose to interview were from all types of background, queer. Uh, as far as the performers. Yeah, yeah. The, the performers that mm -hmm. were interviewed uh, is very diverse, um, which was great to see all perspectives. And they did a good job, I thought, at least in the pacing, because the other side that they interviewed they're like, well, of course, sex trafficking is bad. No one in the industry wants that. Of course, victims do exist. Nobody wants people to, to be victimized and, and treated like that. But if we really look deeper into the other side that we're interviewing here, there's a lot of religious baggage um, with Nikosi, which I, I always feel I'd like say I'm agenda. Well. You say baggage. I say agenda. I, either way, you know, you know where I stand on oh, this. Is that 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 like the the religion is not bad it's how it's weaponized that's bad yeah. um but before we really get into that deep kind of conversations mm -hmm. of of the content itself i'm actually just curious like how did how did you feel about the overall perception of and and how the documentary was put together yeah what did you think because of it? you shot parts for it you're obviously in mm -hmm. it but you don't get to see the edited piece until the very end like did how did that all happen you know it was interesting i was approached um by uh the director suzanne hellinger uh, uh back i want to say in probably april of 2021 right the 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 nick christoph piece had come out mastercard had said they were going to revamp their regulations and and have you know even more aggressive regulations for adult content and people, obviously, sex workers understood what that meant. It meant there was going to be more deplatforming. There was going to be more scrutiny. They were going to be treated like a suspicious class. And so she reached out and she said, you know, listen, I want to tell this story from a different perspective. And so we talked about it a number of times. I introduced her to you know some other people in the industry that might be good. Um, she did a lot of research, right? And her team talked to a lot of people. We ended up shooting the interview in October of 2021. You know, it was a long day. Um, you know, I think it was probably eight hours where we sort of 
went through absolutely everything. Um, and then, you know, it goes into editing and I would sort of check in with her every once in a while. I knew that she'd shot a couple other people like uh, Siri and Gwen um, and Cherie. But, and I, I knew that she was trying to get Danny Pinter from Nikosi and, and also uh, Lila Micklewaite from Exodus Pride. Um, so I knew that it was sort of in it, but again, it sort of disappears. And then I got a call in February um, saying, hey, listen, the doc is going to come out on March 15th. Netflix wants you available for press. So we want you to watch the doc, assumedly, to find out if you hate it, right? We obviously don't want <laughs> right. to. Well, sure. Yeah. sure. <laughs> you know, like exactly. if you were misrepresented at all. Yeah. yeah, if I was misrepresented or thought it was, was you know, terrible for the industry. And, you know, I appreciated that. I watched it. I have to tell you, the first time that I watched it, it was very difficult. And I had, you know, a somewhat negative um, impression of it. Oh. Um, in part because I assumed that I was going to be three minutes of content in the, you know, I thought, you know, I've shot for, I've, I've shot my own documentaries. I've certainly sat for a number of documentaries. And you do these long you know, song and dances, and then suddenly you're in it for five minutes or three minutes or a quote or something like that. So, you know, seeing yourself on screen and also obviously wondering what idiotic thing did I say is going to come out of my mouth <laughs> makes it stressful. It's not um, nerve-wracking, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then you watch, you know, but then, you know, it's the first time that I'm really seeing Danny Pinter from Nicosi speak or Nick Kristoff. And to my mind, at least in that, that first viewing, they were making claims that were then not countered, right? So they would say, you know, this site is full of rape and trafficking. And you yeah. would have a, a, you know, someone like Asakira say, you know, the sex work is work and we don't do trafficking. And I felt like there was a mismatch in those arguments, right? Yeah. And I think I also was paranoid about the audience and, and the level that the audience would, you know, the, the, the context they would be able to bring to it. And so I was actually very nervous about it. I later watched it again and then watched it, you know, with an audience right before it came out. And by that point, I felt a lot better about it. And I think that once it actually came out and once I saw that I could actually trust the audience, that they could look at it and say, oh, these people, they're not trustworthy. They, they looked like it wasn't just that, you know, they were saying these things and it wasn't until the reveal that they were religious that I realized what they were suspicious. I think that all along they sort of picked up on that. And I think that beyond that, even though, I, you know, there's lots of context that I have for, you know, around moderation and the adult and, and all that, um, you know, it really gave, I heard from so many sex workers saying like, hey, listen, this is the first mainstream wide release media portrayal of us that really lets us speak and really talks about yeah. our issues. And that I think because I'm steeped in it and we're steeped in it every day, I, I took for granted. And I think that it, right. it turned out to be a really important doc for that. And yeah. actually, can I give some context? So Nick, uh, I forget his last name that works for the New York Times was the one that did the yeah. children of Pornhub, Pornhub, the big piece that kind of kickstarted a lot of this movement. Whereas uh, Nikosi, her name was Danny, I believe, Danny, the, yeah. the representative. Um, they're the they're the hard hitters, kind of near beginning to middle that that talk about you know the victims that exist. But the way that they talk about it is just so like yeah, there's no pushback until you really start to talk to and humanize. Thankfully, the sex workers that were largely affected. Uh, Daddy, go ahead. I just yeah. wanted to add that base in there because I think a lot of people won't 
understand who NACOSI is or even the article that was written by Nick. And NACOSI stands for National Center mm-hmm. on Sexual Exploitation. Yes. 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 Well, it was a good point that they brought up that uh, NACOSI uh, also was kind of like, didn't they uh, pattern their name after a real organization? Yeah. Well, uh, neck not only right. yeah. that. So I thought that was fascinating piece that they put in. I thought that the documentary did a, a really good job of not taking a side per se mm-hmm. um, and presenting it all. I do feel like they waited a little too long to say what the other side was. It was the third, the third act. Yeah. They did that. yeah. And, and because at, at first you're listening to the Nicosi lawyer who, by the way, looked like a porn star and had a pencil skirt okay. with her leg off the ramp. But... <laughs> She reminded me of the girl in House of Cards season one that, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it, uh, it gets pushed in front of a train. Like right. her assuredness of everything. Yeah. In that, and the way she talked bugged you. It did. But in that same aspect, and there's no disrespect for people that are trying to stop exploitation. No. But it's yeah. in the way that the religion was used and in the way that they tried to victimize, but also use the sex workers as tools in that. And well, then, because their goal wasn't to stop sex exploitation, their their goal, the goal was to stop, to stop sex, work. sex work completely. Keeping in mind <laughs> the, the 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 people that are not the sex workers in this, the people that are using religion, also saw. I think Exodus Cries uses Cosmopolitan and Sports Illustrated on yeah. their list of hardcore pornography as well when they talk about porn. Yeah, like there's so many yeah. standards here that make no sense and don't add up and are just kind of gross when you look at the full picture of course victims should be protected no one is ever going against that but that being said you must have lived through the period of mind geek um coming up kind of gobbling up a lot of the industry um and i remember those days i i used to um date someone who worked for the free speech coalition who would talk about that a lot (laughs) Um, and um to that point to be fair they didn't take action um when they should have um and i think that was a detriment to the whole uh industry don't talk Uh, about my hole like that well your hole is mine, but um, <laughs> you, you say, am I wrong about that? Or well, am so I, I think missing that there's something? two things, right? Yeah, there's, I mean, and I can't speak to the moderation practices at MindGeek in general. I have worked with fan sites. I have worked with tube sites. I know, and, and through that history, know a little bit of what goes on. So I think that there are two things, right? There's piracy, right? Mm-hmm. Which was, I think, a lot of what you're talking about, right? The stuff that was right through the industry, right? right. That, that and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just MindGeek. There were plenty of, there were other, MindGeek was the largest, but you right. also had other tube sites. You also had LimeWire. You know, Almost you had all the, the tube shipping. sites, yes. <laughs> oh, back yeah, when right. I like, still did sort of- the sex work, people were always like, oh, I love your clip. And then would post a link to Pornhub. and be like, yeah. please stop posting the links to the clip and buy the stuff because that, that, you're yes. ruining my job. That was half my job at Colt was trying, doing <sighs> cease and desist letters of people who just ripped So us big off. issue, moderation. But then yeah. you were also going to say, yeah. Well, I was going to say that there's a, a, a second part, which is moderation of CSAM, right? And and revenge porn. And mm. the only, you know, and I think that the they try to make it seem as if there's a lot of blurring of the lines that Nikosi tries to do, right? And they, 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 they use a lot of wiggle words and things like this to try to make it look like this is what's happening. In my experience, the industry has been very aggressive about removing um, you know, revenge porn and CSAM, right? When they get an alert, they take it down. Now, obviously, there are 
um, issues with, you know, with people sent, you know, saying, hey, there's something on my site, but not sending a link or, you know, people finding it four years later and not realizing it's up there. But when you look at, I think that the proof is really in the pudding. When you look at the lawsuit, right, they've got Mike Bowie, who's the lawyer there, right? At, at the end, he's the one with all the Diet Coke cans and the hole in his shoe and he's dry shaving in the office. Mike, are, is you, are you okay, Mike? Mike, hello? <laughs> I mean, Not he's a former Trump lawyer. You know, they don't oh. they don't mention that. So <laughs> why do Trump so lawyers he, have such bad hygiene? I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was such a, a creepy shot. Uh, <laughs> but you know, when they actually filed that case, where they talk about the case where it's Serena Flightus and the thirty three Jane Doe's, right? Who are talking about their revenge porn or their CSAM or things like this. And this is stuff, obviously, MindGeek and Pornhub have changed dramatically since those early days when it was sort of a Wild West free for all, right? Mm -hmm. the, the regulations are much tighter. They've done, you know, they're probably best in class at this point. They're better than Twitter or Facebook or anybody else in terms of stopping illegal content. But even before then, when you look at these cases, you know, they, they name these sort of 33 cases. I went through them and even in the pleading, they say, you know, this was, you know, this was uploaded to Pornhub. I contacted Pornhub, it was taken down, you know? And so I think that it's actually a miss, you know, I think that it's, um, you know, people assume that Pornhub left this stuff up and actually they acted in, even in these court filings, the ones that are their worst case scenarios, the things they're going to bring in a class action lawsuit, Pornhub acts actually really quickly when it comes to revenge porn or CSAM. Now, mm -hmm. I think that there are things, you know, including, I mean, I, 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 you know, my heart breaks for Serena Flightus, who's the woman who's there. And she says, you know, I tried to get it taken down. They wouldn't take it down, you know, or they told me it was fingerprinted, but it would, you know, it would show back up there. And I think that sometimes what people don't understand is just how hard it is to keep content off. You know, mm -hmm. you think that you, I've worked with tube sites. I know that when you fingerprint something, if somebody cuts it in a new way, right, or they they distort the audio, you can get around that fingerprint. And I think that adult sites don't get the credit for being on the front lines and having to constantly innovate because they know bad actors are going to use these platforms. So is MindGeek or Pornhub perfect? Absolutely not, right? Could they yeah. have done things earlier, but were they particularly negligent or were they complicit in this, which is sort of what Nicosi and these other you know, uh, you know, these other sort of religious groups claim, no, it does, the evidence is actually not there for that. Like the evidence is that they actually acted quickly. It's just as, as the woman from NECMEC, which is the actual sort of child protection organization um, says, you know, this isn't a porn problem. This is an internet problem. And I, I think that really sums it up. Yeah. Well, because even in that, they like talk about and they interview a real reviewer who used to work at MindGeek for Pornhub to review content. And they were saying like 700 videos a day were are reviewed by one person and they have, you know, I think it was somewhere like 30 reviewers when it first started mm -hmm. their review processes. Yeah. And this is before Facebook or any of the other sites had a process of reviewing content for this kind of content. And now Facebook yeah. has like, you know, 15K or so moderators, but it's Facebook versus a mind geek. Like yeah. they have the disposable income, the users and the money to do that. Like realistically. Well, you know, I mean, on top of that, that person, you know, that person who was reviewing, you know, 800 hours of video and screwing, like um, scanning lot. through things, you know, yeah. right? That's a lot of stuff, but that is still ahead. And that was probably 10 years ago, right? That is still <laughs> ahead of where Facebook is now because Facebook doesn't review content until it's already gone live. If you post something to Twitter or Facebook, it 
shows up automatically immediately even yeah. back then with with Pornhub if you posted something with Pornhub somebody had to review it beforehand right even if they were just scrubbing through it they were pre-moderating which is something that social media sites still don't do so I think that they get you know obviously you want more people moderating they're also obviously using AI they're using keywords they're trying to track this stuff and I think that with a lot of that content, right? A lot of that content is also studio content. You're not looking for CSAM or, or things like that. Um, but that's still ahead of where the social media sites are today. So I think that, right. again, adult sites don't get enough credit for the work that they do. And I think that the adult industry has always led in terms of technology, right? It's always had to pioneer these things because we're not allowed to access normal technology. We have to sort of invent it ourselves. Um, so yeah, I, I think that like, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to give Pornhub or MindGeek a pass for the piracy and the stuff that, that, that happened. It obviously, it, you know, changed the industry and then ultimately became like the major source of traffic in the industry. But, you know, there, I think that when it comes to CSAM and these, these, the, the illegal content, they actually act quite quickly. Yeah, can and, I ask what CSAM is? Just because I don't know the full so, document. Yeah, so the... CSAM is child sexual abuse material. It's what That's we what used I to figured. call child right. porn, right? It's it's underage okay. content, which is bad. Not yeah. trying to condone. Not trying to you know anything like that. Um, but I agree that I think Pornhub was treated pretty. I mean, they they were they were very much like they didn't do perfect. They didn't do great. But when we look yeah. at it, porn innovates so many things. Like even YouTube as a YouTube creator. There's now a system within the last couple of years where it can scan a video and it'll tell you 20% of this video has content from your video if someone's referencing what you do. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine the tools back then when it came to this kind of stuff. But I do bet you that porn and, and that kind of need to be able to fingerprint content was part mm -hmm. of the reason that that kind of content even exists on things like YouTube. And and at the very very end of it, they just kind of half mentioned that the class action lawsuit against all the, the victims were bringing was dropped down to one single person. Is that because MindGeek had the receipts that they had done it? No, you know, I mean, the, the receipts. It's funny, the receipts are actually in the court document. So Mike Bowie, the lawyer, files this this gargantuan uh, lawsuit, which they cover. You know, talking about the Sopranos and the Capos and all this right. sort of like oh, fiction. Yeah. Like, I mean, we read it and we're like, Conspiracy. I mean, and, and, you know, when is in it free speech coalition is Asa's in it, you know, as like agents of the devil, you know, these, this sort of like <laughs> this fever dream of what is happening behind the scenes. Um, but it's in their lawsuit, right? There's like, you, you know, Jane Doe too, you know, was 16. She was in Thailand. Someone filmed her and uploaded it to Pornhub. When it was reported, she took it, it, you know, came down within two days or whatever it was. So it's not, I, I think that those weren't dismissed. I don't think I, that's actually beyond my pay grade because sure. they're the class. So they have to, it may be that they have to file separately. I think that what Nicosi and the lawyers are hoping, and, and one of the Nicosi lawyers, he wasn't in the doc, Benjamin Bull, he's a, 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 a you know, an anti-LGBTQ bigot, right? He's, he, of he's been part of a lot of these, these, these groups. He had been advocating that there's a lot of money in this for lawyers, mm. right? If you can oh, get, sure. if we can get class actions against this, you can get big settlements. There's a lot of money. Um, I heard him on a podcast called Lawyers for Jesus, um, you know, talking about it. So I don't know what happened with that class, like why it got mm. split, but um, okay. it will be, you know, Serena will bring that case and then those other ones will possibly huh. go separately or they'll find a different class action. 
I mean, I think there's only 12 lawyers for Jesus currently. So, were those does Judas count? Yeah. <laughs> Are you counting Judas or no? Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that doesn't surprise me though that he's anti-LGBT and this probably also worked for Trump because a lot of this stuff it also revolved around Section 230 as well of the Communications Decency Act, which we've talked about plenty. It's related to SESTA-FOSTA. It's related to social media sites having to take ownership of the content posted, which of course no social media site can take content all their content they cannot all be that social media sites fault obviously can they help to moderate sure but moderation as we have learned is not perfect especially when it comes to something like porn which people a don't want to touch often and b like it gets into these murky areas legally of what people can sell or show or do and we're still kind of curious how it's even existing on things like Tumblr and Twitter. And well, it's not existing on Tumblr anymore, but Twitter oh, for sure. I don't know how it's the, kind of back on pass. Tumblr a little bit. Not great, but it's well, kind of. You know, I think that, you know, on these platforms, on a Twitter or a Reddit, um, it's a much bigger part of the business than you imagine. Oh, right. It's right? a huge part yeah. of the business. So I think that that is ultimately it right like we build up these platforms right um you know we bring in the traffic we bring in the audience um we have a lot of engaged creators um and sometimes a platform can grow in a certain way and it can start to you know moderating and, and sort of get rid of us you saw what happened when that happened to tumblr right and tumblr mm -hmm. basically collapsed i think that tumblr is a cautionary tale for somebody like twitter or reddit because you know, that that business model already, you know, depends on it. It doesn't mean that you can't be better about moderating, right? It can't, but you can't take the Instagram sledgehammer and just say, we're going to get rid of all sexual content because Holy we're fans. too afraid of losing, you know, that something might slip through. And Mike, you're old enough to remember this. Remember Blogspot? How dare Same you. thing. What about Wait, Yahoo How groups? dare you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, one day we're going to look back and we're going to be like, I remember when OnlyFans tried to get rid of the porn. <laughs> and then hopefully like our generation's old kids will be like, what? But it's only porn now. Or I don't know. There'll be something else that replaces OnlyFans, I'm sure, someday. Oh, that'd yeah. be a great site. Only like, oh, it actually Why has no humans not? in it. Well, let's hope it stays. AI's getting too smart, Mike. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard. And, oh, I'm sure you have. Deep fakes, all that technology. Oh, it's scary. Um, but that's a yeah. whole other topic for another time. Um, so working for the Free Speech Coalition, you're kind of on the front lines of... So I'm curious, because I don't know, what's the next attack against us that's coming down the pike? Because oh SESTA-FOSTA, are they going to expand on SESTA-FOSTA? So SESTA-FOSTA is, you know, I mean, there, there's Woodhull... Foundation is challenging SESTA-FOSTA. It's been for several years. Um, we'll see what, you know, that's going to likely go on for several more years. Um, there's a new bill, the Earn It Act, that makes it, um, mm -hmm. that sort of builds on SESTA-FOSTA and makes it, uh, again, makes platform, they want to make platforms more liable for sexual related content, right? And of course, we don't want sex trafficking. Of course, we don't want CSAM. But we know what happens when you make platforms legally liable for those things, even if they're not aware of them, right? If they're aware of them, if they knowingly distribute that stuff, that's already a federal crime without SESTA-FOSTA, without earning it, you can still go after them. But incidental stuff, somebody doesn't get caught, right? It gets through the gate. Um, making platform liable, it means that platforms just take off everything, right? It means that platforms go the route of Instagram or Tumblr and just remove all sexual content because their lawyers don't want 
any potential liability. Um, so that is that's one thing that's happening. The other thing that we're happening is in I think two dozen states across the country, we now have um, pending or passed legislation that requires age verification to access sites that have adult content. That means uploading your ID. That means doing biometric scans. Um, you know, on any site that has, I think that it's more than 33 and a third percent of material that's harmful to minors. Um, again, nobody wants minors accessing adult content. It's for adult, it's called adult content for a reason. At the same time, a lot of these regulations are really privacy invasive. You know, if you remember what yes. happened with the Ashley Madison hack a few years ago, people killed themselves, right? Because it gets out that this is where you're going, right? It is, um, we also see phishing attacks. FSC is already seeing people create duplicate or dummy sites so that people can steal your ID. Um, and meanwhile, you know, it, these are things that are easily, uh, you can get around with a VPN. So they're both ineffective and dangerous, you know, which and is a bad combination. When it comes to taking down content, because I've even tried to take down some of my personal OnlyFans stuff that I don't post as much anymore, honestly, but I tried to take down stuff and in that process, they were going to give my personal information that I had to file to get the, the stuff taken down to the person that I was saying, stop reposting yes. my stuff. And I and I said, you know what? I don't even care. It's a two, three minute video for my OnlyFans. I'm not, it doesn't I'm not giving it's some weirdo my personal stuff. Yeah. And it's just yeah. people resharing things. Yes. And I'm exactly. it's, so ugh. It's a, it's a tool used by stalkers, right? So mm -hmm. they take your content. If you want to get it down, suddenly they get not just your real name, but they get your address. Like they get all of this information on you because they have to deliver it to them to say, this is who's challenging your copyright. Um, it's a terrible system. Which is funny, and, and it, your copyright. Without thinking about sex workers, right? Or about thinking about women or about thinking about people who are vulnerable to stalkers or harassment. Or queer people, because marginally these kinds of these kinds of uh, laws and bills that are get putting into place, as we've seen with SESTA FOSTA, largely attack queer people and queer content because queer content is inherently sexual. Most times, when you look at these sites that and how they moderate, like well, that's how they Instagram. imagine it, right? If you look at like mm -hmm. the book bans in the schools, or um, you know the 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 drag bans and things like that they assume exactly. that our very existence is sexual so when you see these phrases in sort of like age verification bills and stuff like that that's material harmful to minors or you know sexually oriented material you have to understand that in a small parish in Louisiana, they're going to interpret that very broadly. And what they're going to go after is they're going to go after sex ed, they're going to have to go to LGBTQ sites. Like these are loaded guns that we are handing to, you know, the most censorious people in America. And the people who just want to make money off you and exploit yeah. you for that reason, you know? Absolutely. Well, Mike, I think that's about it for the. Do you have any burning questions? I don't have any burning, burning questions. I don't know that Mike would be the one you ask about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but I do want to just say that I, I thought you were you were very well shot. You were very well edited in in the the movie <laughs> documentary. Um, and I I thought everything that came out of your mouth was great. So although some of the things they put in your mouth, no I'm kidding. Kidding, that's, <laughs> that's a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that if people are curious, especially about and how you uh, help with sex workers, Free Speech Coalition and all that place, places like that, um, how can people further your cause help you? And is there any like links or shout outs you want to give just for people to find out more information? 
Yeah, obviously. I mean, I think that if you're a member of the adult industry, we want you as a, uh, you know, a member of Free Speech Coalition, right? The the work that we're doing, we're heading to Congress uh, to talk about banking discrimination in May. Uh, you know, we are working with the legislator on a lot of these laws and obviously, you know, speaking out in the press about some of these things so that people understand what's actually happening and how it affects, you know, not just sex workers, but everybody. Um, you know, obviously, freespeechcoalition.com. On Twitter, it's FSC Army. On Twitter, I'm at Mike Stabile, uh, S-T-A-B-I-L-E. And, you and know, it's a very hot Twitter feed. I found him this morning. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I do get marked by Twitter with sensitive content often. And You're very think, sensitive, I know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm posting an article about Pornhub. Calm down. <laughs> but but even that is taken as sexual content, right? That's yeah. yeah, it's taken anything related to it. I mean, these are people you have to understand the people who are pushing this are people who don't want sex in the public square. And I don't mean public sex. I mean they don't want sex education. They don't want talking about things. I mean, I saw something right before I logged on where somebody was saying that, you know, having sex in um uh you know, you know, in reverse cowgirl is somehow a gay act. You know, oh. or that like face sitting was gay because you were being feminized as a man. Like there are these people with these cartoon versions of masculinity and femininity um, that that really want. They only want representation of a very specific articulation of sexuality and gender, and and that's really what we need to fight. That's what we oh. are fighting. Oh, absolutely. Linking to this podcast on some platforms is sexual content for whatever reason. It's pornographic yeah. because. Because even though there's no porn yeah. visible in this podcast whatsoever, yeah. I just need everyone to know this is an audio podcast. Although I'm taking my clothes off right now. Oh my, oh my God. <laughs> Here, make some noise. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. Are daddy, you choking? Da Do you need okay. CPR? Okay. Da daddy, daddy, where can people find you? Well, if you want to see my porn and the naughty stuff, go oh. to MrChristopher.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter, Christopher Weston, and that's Christopher with the K. You can find me everywhere at Pup Amp, uh, as well as the Naughty Bits at PupAmp.com. This has been What's Your Safe Pod, but you can find us everywhere at What's the Safe Word on the Twitter, the Twitch, the podcasts, the where else? Uh, the Patreon. Oh, um, Patreon. Thank you, Patreons, yeah, for yeah. watching this. And if you're watching this on Patreon, you can see how hot Michael looks right now. Do That's Mr. Stabile to you yeah, if you're paying. If he's nasty. <laughs> but Mike, thank you so much again for coming on. Check out Money Shot if that's something up your alley. Um, I feel like we've given a really good insight and background. But again, seeing the actual story itself and watching it unfold and hearing the stories from the actual sex workers' mouths, um, because it, it that was my big takeaway is like the the biggest losers in all this, besides obviously the victims, is the sex workers every single time in all of these bills and all of these issues and all the social media. They are the canary in the coal mine for a reason because they're always the ones that no one really cares about because they're not the ones being harmed. They're making money, obviously. But when you really look at it, it sex work is a lot of hard work, pun intended or hard not. Hard work. Yeah. So thank you again, Mike. I appreciate you so much. Daddy, I appreciate you, you Pro guys. probably probably just as much, you know, just, just a little bit more. <laughs> maybe. Just, just a little Everybody bit. calm down. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you all next time. Bye. Right, bye, guys. Cut. Thank you. That was great. Hey, that was fun. You're always the smartest man in the room. <laughs> <laughs>